0: We might have that wonderful thing happen like a miracle and when a man feels like creating he'll just create. so we're into a period now where I need to start the podcasting before the swamp coolers come on uh, because it's so freaking hot here in uh, las Cruces New Mexico that my uh, evaporative coolers kick in you know, fairly early now because you wake up, it's already seventy degrees, and it's been getting uh, it's been getting hot. It's going to be like hundred degrees plus for the next week or so. So, um, once those things start blowing right above my little home studio here, everything starts sounding like shit. So, I'm going to try to get in the habit of uh, experimenting with these podcasts in the earlier part of the morning, and also my mind is maybe a little bit more. Flexible, a little bit more awake. Although, truthfully, I have not been sleeping all that well lately. Um, I don't know. It's been a while since I've I've done a podcast. But uh, so I graduated with my master's degree in counseling, and now of course I'm on the job market, and I'm getting to the phase now where uh, interviews are starting to happen and decisions are going to have to be made. So, um, in a few days, I have an interview. Uh, for a school counselor position, which is, um, you know, it's got certain pros and cons. It's in a school district that's a little bit f- far away from where my house is. Uh, the student population are, you know, like 96% Spanish speakers. Um, the students themselves, I'm sure can speak English, but the, a lot of the parents, um, in that situation are from these colonias, uh, in Southern New Mexico, or the, the parents at least are largely going to be, non-English speaker. So a part of that job, of course, as a counselor, you're going to be working with parents. So I'm a little bit, uh, hesitant that I'll be able to do my job properly with my, you know, my poor Spanish. They, of course, might not hire me. There's a, you know, another position that I'm up for that has a bunch of pros and cons. And, and those are, uh, those two positions that I'm, um, presently uh, trying to decide between. Those are, um, you know, my plans B and C really, my, my plan A was to try to get a job with the local school district here because they pay the most. They've got the best benefits, the best schedule. Um, there's the, but the, there's been no jobs posted yet. So anyone that's been on the job market, I'm sure you've been there where you're, uh, you know, you have a sort of a game plan, but you don't want to turn down a job offer for, Something that may or may not materialize in the coming weeks and you got to, you know, do all the calculations in your head. So all these calculations are going on in my head and causing, uh, you know, anxiety juice to be squeezed into my bloodstream. And that combined with the ridiculous heat has been causing me to not sleep well. And, um, you know, so that's been the basic state of my life um, for the past couple of weeks but uh yeah so i still i guess you know maybe i've got another week or two or three left for some um patron out there some super wealthy person that can just piss away a large sum of money to be so impressed with uh how professional and um polished these podcasts are that uh they want to go to my my website and um Hit the uh, PayPal donate button and donate about thirty-five thousand dollars, and then I could just be a professional podcaster and uh, not have to worry about what I'm what I'm going to do as a counselor. So, um, but uh, I doubt that's going to happen. So, let's see. Uh, yeah, I've I've got my my studio here set up in a slightly different way, and I'm just going to maybe experiment a little bit with the format of the podcast. Um, and just, you know, the, I think the reason I'm not doing a lot of podcasts is you, you overthink things, you know, and you just, if I have this thing set up, I just need to kind of, uh, discuss is on my mind and just take it from there and see if, see if something takes off. So, um, let's see one, uh, one interesting thing. My wife and I were, um, we were watching a show on Netflix called sense eight. We're always looking for good sci-fi and we pretty much exhausted all the options at this point. And uh, this is a show that, it's a Netflix original that was, uh, it's put on by the Wachowskis who did the Matrix series. And uh, so we watched the first season. It's pretty good. It's got it's got some flaws, but we finished up the first season. So I went on uh, the old interwebs to check out, um, you know, to read a little bit about it, see if there's going to be a second season. And I came across this this article about the Wachowski sisters. It was like Lana and uh Lily or something. Um and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought it was Larry and Andy. And uh somewhere uh in the span of about five minutes I'm realizing that the Wachowski brothers are now the Wachowski sisters. They've uh they're transgender women. And this transition I guess has happened fairly recently. And of course it was a pretty interesting story. And uh, if you watch Sense8, there's a, there's a lot of sex involved. And it's pretty groundbreaking in the sense that, you know, there's, there's a transgender character, there's a gay male character, and there's, they're portraying sexuality, you know, graphically, um, you know, women and, and women, men and men. And they're sort of breaking a lot of boundaries on the show. So I guess that makes a little sense that the, the Wachowskis are, you know, obviously in their personal life, have uh, made this transition and they're bringing this into their art so that's pretty interesting but I was talking to my wife about this and and, I mean I don't even know if I can talk about my thoughts on this matter in any sort of forum Um, and I mean that's the first point I'm a little bit worried that the the climate in our culture even amongst people on the left which I have probably always you know would locate myself there. I mean I'm certainly socially liberal in just about every way you can imagine and sensitive to every, you know, multicultural concern that you can you can think of. But um there is a sense that if you try to think out loud or just have any kind of different thought that's not in line with um, you know, whatever the latest PC policy is that you can quickly um, get a super bad vibe from other people on the left. I was reading an article the other day uh, by Nicholas Kristof in the New York Times. The article is called The Liberal Blind Spot. And um, so he's talking about something that's been on my mind a little bit lately. Um, uh, There's people like uh, TV host Dave Rubin. And Sam Harris, the uh, philosopher and author, and Majid Nawaz, who, who wrote a book with Sam Harris about um, Islam. I think it was called Islam and the Future of Tolerance. And the, all these authors are talking about what they call the regressive left. And that's um, this sort of new movement where, um, well, here, here's how Kristoff puts it in, in his article. Um, let me see here. I thought this was a pretty interesting quote. If I can find the fucking thing, um, yeah. So here's uh, how he how he phrases the sort of the motto of the modern left: we welcome people who don't look like us as long as they think like us, and um, that really encapsulates it for me. I think there is this this bizarre intolerance on the left. You see it now in this uh, how things are playing out with the whole Trump campaign where progressive types are celebrating the shutting down of Trump rallies and, you know, blocking of roads and really the the trampling of free speech and as if it's a good thing. And I find this incredibly disturbing. Of course I think Trump is an imbecile and I wouldn't want him to be president, but all these scenes of uh, Trump supporters being, uh, you know, egged, literally like having eggs thrown at them, and um, these progressive protesters trying to shut down um, the free speech of people that don't think like them is, is profoundly disturbing to me. And of course, this is also playing uh, playing out on college campuses where any speaker that doesn't toe a certain line, that doesn't um, espouse certain beliefs, especially if they're conservatives or... You know, they're talking about any sort of sensitive issues. They're, they're whatever you'd call it, deplatformed. They're, you know, not allowed to speak. You have a, uh, you know, women of color like Ayan Hirsi Ali, who's an a uh, an apostate um, who left the Muslim faith and had, you know, a clitorectomy performed on her, and was, her life has been threatened and all this. She's even been like, um, you know, deplatformed or not allowed to speak on college campuses, because she has some pretty harsh things to say about uh, people in the, in the Islamic faith. And so she's been branded an Islamophobe, and this, that, and the other thing. So uh, what disturbs me is, I mean, you don't have to agree with Ayaan Hirsi Ali, you don't have to agree with some of the other conservative speakers, you certainly don't have to agree with Trump, and I hope you don't. But this idea that these ideas should not be allowed to even be aired that you're supposed to almost militantly and aggressively silence anyone that disagrees with you it seems to be profoundly illiberal and yet that's kind of the you know I think a a new vibe on the progressive left and one that I'm very much resistant to and so you know tying that back to this Wachowski sister story so I'm, I'm talking to my wife and I have to You know, I have a a feeling that's welling up in me as I'm uh, reading this story. I'm I'm not comfortable with it, Um, and you know, is it a transphobia? Am I just kind of grossed out that these two people have um, surgically altered their bodies and changed their genders, and somehow I I I find that gross or something? And so the problem is. Is with me I'm just I'm not open-minded I mean I don't know I just have it's a it's a feeling I'm having I'm uncomfortable with it I want to discuss it and of course my wife is you know perfectly willing to discuss it with me but even as I I talk about it on this podcast and I bring this up even not so much uh, to discuss the issue itself but just to point out that I'm hesitant to even speak on my own podcast about this just because I'm you know I'm aware of the fact that I could be excoriated for you know being a, a bigot or something just because I'm I'm having these thoughts and feelings so that's a little bit annoying so in, in sort of protest of that I'm gonna I'm gonna just go ahead and, and air these feelings and and they're not they're not definitive I don't feel like I know that much about um, what it's like to uh, feel that you're a gender other than the one that was, you were born into, and that you'd want to be surgically um, altered in order to fit a different gender. What worries me is, um, not that uh, that somebody can feel more at home uh, with a a non-binary way of expressing themselves in terms of their gender. It's it's the the surgical piece. Um, if you look at uh, you know Michael Jackson who you know essentially was surgically altering himself to look more white or um, you know people that do plastic surgery on themselves to make themselves look younger or there's even more um, cases that seem uh, definitively from my perspective pathological like when people want to sever their own limbs off because they feel like they're really an, an amputee on the inside and they want their insides to match their outsides or people that, you know, want to cut their eyes out because they feel like they should be blind. Um, Something just seems, uh, you know, again, I I hesitate to use the term pathological, but um, in any case where you would be willing to surgically alter your body, I mean, there seems to be some psychological process there that's not, um, I don't know, I don't know how to how to put it, I don't, I don't want to put it totally on the individual because as my wife pointed out, you know, there's a social aspect, of course, to gender. And because we have, a, we live in a society where, um, gender norms are, are conceived to be just binary. You're a male or a female and maybe, you know, human beings naturally don't, um, fit rigidly into that, uh, system that you're going to, that that those social conditions are going to cause people to have um, psychological responses, which may be, may manifest later as, you know, I don't feel like I'm the gender I was born into and I want to, I want to have gender reassignment surgery so that I feel more congruent. So to say that something is psychological is, you know, at the same time to say it's social and to say something's pathological, you know, again, I mean, you can say that the, the social conditions are pathological and that's what needs to change. And I'm very open to that line of thinking. I just think, um, you know, it just shouldn't be that a person say a woman in her forties wants to have her face, um, surgically altered. So she looks like she's in her twenties. I mean, I just don't think that's a good thing. And, um, uh, of course you know in that case the person's psychology is is totally tied into a social context where you know we we value youth and um, michael jackson wanting to look more white i mean that's a social context that you know devalues um people of color and so i just wonder if something similar is going on in the people that want to um, surgically alter their body so they fit another gender so you know in a sense i don't want to stop people from doing that but i just feel like it's it's indicative of something that's just not right and i'm not don't mean that they're not right in their in their psychology necessarily but there's some social uh context that's just off that um you know in an ideal world we have some gender fluidity socially so that people don't feel the need to take that sort of step. I mean, I wonder, you know, what do they do centuries ago before the surgical technology was there? I mean, um, you know, in a sense, it just, something feels to me wrong, and again, not in a moralistic sense, and I'm not judging people that feel this way, but when you, if you want to, you know, surgically alter your body to fit, Or to match your internal psyche. And something has gone wrong there, whether it's socially or psychologically or both. And that's just, you know, that's my uneasiness about it. So I suppose you can brand me a uh, transphobic or whatever you want. And I'm, you know, I'm not sure about these things. I actually do know a lot of people that are in the LGBT community. I'll just have to have some more discussions. But Um, so anyway, that was a uh, just kind of going off. On the uh, r- illiberal or regressive left um, vibe that I'm seeing a little bit in our culture now, that you can't even you can't even have these thoughts, you know. And, I, and just having graduated a, a counseling graduate program, I can say that you know they really do indoctrinate you pretty heavily into um, a lot of progressive ideologies, um, uh, and some of them, you know. It's fine. Uh, What I maybe objected against a little bit was it it feels like from a scientific standpoint, uh, an academic standpoint, you can criticize ideas and you're supposed to. That's what critical thinking is about. Um, And you can you can say, hey, I don't think this is a good theory. And here's why. And I don't think uh, the scientific uh, evidence backing this theory is sound. And here's why. But when it comes to uh, the multicultural stuff, I didn't get that sense. Um, when I tried to raise issues in class, you know, we'd read certain theories, and I, you know, I start to think out loud like I'm like I usually do, and say, well, uh, you know, I don't think this is actually a good theory, or I think the evidence supporting this theory is weak, and here's why. Um, the vibe that I got was. Uh, my f- my critical thinking was not really that important it was uh, the fact that I'm white, that I'm male and I'm cisgendered, heterosexual that's what's relevant when you're discussing these ideas so right off the bat um, any objection that I would make would be filtered through that and and my ideas necessarily wouldn't even be heard because you know they my ideas would be framed in a sense of well you know Of course, you're a cisgendered, white, heterosexual male. And, you know, of course, you're not going to like these multicultural theories because it's uh, displacing your power or whatever. And that's a very circular uh, way of insulating yourself from criticism. And I really detest that on an intellectual level. And I certainly resented it because I felt like I needed to be silent in my, you know, multicultural class just because I was a white guy basically even though you know uh you know I thought some of the theories and the ideas were just fucking stupid or wrong or weak and uh you know I guess some people pointed out well you know that's good you should uh be silent that's what it's all about is uh, that people that have power and privilege need to be silent and hear other perspectives but it just strikes me as uh, just very anti-scientific, um, anti-intellectual uh, to focus on the identity politics that you know a person's um, race, a uh, person's gender. If, if those are the important things when you're in the marketplace of ideas, then it seems like it's it's just very self-defeating. Like if you're trying to move away from a situation where one group is uh, oppressing another group because of their race, because of their gender, because of their sexual orientation. The solution surely isn't to just reverse the roles. Um, I mean, you definitely want to move to a a quote-unquote colorblind context at some point. I mean, that's what science is about. I mean, you certainly don't... Nobody cares in the realm of science what the person's race is and what the person's background is it's just all about is the theory sound you know is this does it make sense and you criticize the ideas you don't take into account the uh, different um you know intersectional identities of the person making the 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 claim and so i don't know that's just a, a typical incoherent rant but uh, it's just something that's been on my mind. Um, what else is going on? So uh, yeah, I also went to um, a show the other day, which I almost never do, but because I'm unemployed, there was a uh, a friend of mine was um, debuting a, a solo show um, over at Art Obscura in las cruces and and one of my favorite uh local artists, kt neely was performing there and i'd never seen her live so i got to see her live and again um you know there's been a few new things in the local music scene here that have really uh impressed me and i think right now uh kt neely um simeon beardsley and eric reed these are my three favorite local artists and they all um you Know they're all related somehow. Um, Simeon Beardsley is a guy that uh actually plays in a band with KT Neely, he plays in his own band, which he calls Sorry, uh, Sorry Town, and he also plays in the in Alabama Death Walk with Eric Reed. So, here's a little taste of uh, Simeon Beardsley's latest. Um, and it's this is a song called Michael. I'll just play a little. A little bit of it here. So yeah, so that's a, that's from uh, from YouTube channel, Diet Pop Records. I'll, I'll put the links to everything I talk about in the show notes here. I'm uh, trying to get a little brave here in the fair use department, and just um, when I'm discussing something off the internet, just play a little clip and discuss it. I think that's the definition of fair use, I'm hoping, and nobody tries to sue me, but um, they can go fuck themselves they want to they can take all my donation money which is zero all the money i've ever made off this podcast or or anything i've done on the internet they can have 100 percent of it um anyway that's uh simeon beardsley's song michael uh it's um a trundle session these are some videos from this diet pop records channel that have been featuring some some local artists here so here's um Here's KT Neely doing a song called Notes. This is another trundle session from Diet Pop Records. And uh, yeah, Simeon Beardsley is actually sitting on the couch uh, playing in her band, so there's, again, some overlap here. But here's uh, a bit of KT. She's just got this um, absolutely angelic voice, which uh, was very captivating. It was great to see her uh, live, but uh, anyway without further ado. So yeah, that's just a little um taste of KT's music, which again is I think is great. And uh yeah, for the Trifecta, this is another Trundle session, Diet Pop Records again on YouTube and um Simeon Beardsley's in the band again here for Alabama Deathwalk, um, which is led by this guy Eric Reed that I've mentioned before on my podcast, but Again, this is the local sort of singer-songwriter scene in Las Cruces that I'm, you know, slowly kind of mingling with. And uh, hopefully I'll get to know these people and, um, you know, who knows, maybe I'll play music with some of these people at some point. They're all, they're all a lot younger than me. This is a, always becoming an issue with me. You know, I feel like I'm this old dude skulking in the back of these rooms listening to, you know, these... 20-something musicians, and I I feel somewhat awkward about it. Which is too bad, because I know that's another social thing, and I should probably uh, surgically alter myself to to look like I'm in my 20s, and I guess that would be um, where to go with that one. You know, a little little tying it back to the previous uh, topic there. Anyway, uh, we will stop with that bullshit, and let's hear a little bit of Alabama Death Walk. It's a song called Two Weeks. And again, this is from the Trundle Sessions Diet Pop Records on YouTube. Mm Leave a message at the beat So yeah, so anyway, a little um little taste of what's going on in the local music scene here. Um, let's see, what else do I got this week? So yeah. Um what am I doing with my own music? I mean, whatever. I've got my studio set up. I've uh I've gotten uh back into the band Weezer <laughs> over the last few weeks, which um I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure because uh, there's no reason to feel guilty about it. Um, But uh, when Weezer came out in the 90s, I mean, it was really uh, just like an ear candy thing to me. It wasn't about feeling like the music was especially deep or anything like that, but just um, the melody, the tone, uh, something about the way that Rivers Cuomo does songs. I mean, it was just literally like pure ear candy good just pop uh, rock music and uh you know so they had the blue album there with their other their big hits um buddy holly and and the sweater song and all that and uh i pinkerton came out their follow up album and i think i only heard uh one song off that pink triangle which i thought was great but then i just i just whatever i got into other things and i didn't pay much attention to them over the years um, They put out a few other songs, like Island in the Sun and other songs that sort of made the charts that I liked. And I I gather that they went through some period where their fans hated them and thought they sold out. And I I basically just didn't pay any attention to them for the next, whatever, 15 years. And um, they've uh, just put out an album, the White Album, I think it is. Uh, It's another self-titled thing. And for whatever reason, I came across... they were releasing singles from it on the internet. And I mean, every one of them was just pure ear candy to me. And I just, just loved it. You know, I said, fuck man, I, I'm going to, I'm going to buy this shit. And, um, they're one of the bands that, that plays, uh, their guitars down a half step, which is how, when I was learning to play in the nineties, that's how I, I learned. Cause a lot of bands that I loved at that time, guns and roses. And, um, jimmy hendrix and just countless others played in that tuning a half step down i'm not really 100 percent sure why i think part of it is it's easier to hit the high notes even though it's just a half step lower there's just something to hit that that top of that range if you're a whatever your typical male vocalist it's just a a little bit easier there might be something to the tone of the guitars they sound a little more badass when they're detuned or the string tension is slightly slacker, so you can bend notes differently. Who the hell knows why? But um, So I wanted to play along to those songs and learn them, and so my guitar was tuned down to half-step, and I figured I could just put a capo on the first fret and uh, play things in standard tuning. So, But um, I did that for years and years and years, and then kind of got away from that recently, and I've been playing my guitar in standard tuning. I don't know if my my ear just gets, wants a change every once in a while. And then I'll just, for several years, I'll try something else. I even tried dropping my guitar a whole step for about a year. I was playing it essentially, you know, it's standard tuning, but what, you know, it sounds like a D instead of an E. But the strings were so slack at that point that they kind of sounded like shit, hard to keep in tune. So anyway, I've gone back to this tuning down a half step and because I haven't done it in a while, it's triggering a lot of creativity. So um, hopefully, I'll be jamming out some shit of my own in the future podcasts. But um, yeah, I guess that's it. I've been rambling on for like a half an hour this week. Um, and uh, hopefully, I'll do this on a, on a regular basis in the mornings and just see again. Obviously, I'm trying to find my voice here and figure out what the fuck I'm doing with this podcast and what, uh, what the themes are going to be, but I'm just going to try to for now, just let it rip whenever I feel like it and see if I can stumble on something decent. Again, you can interact with me in a lot of different ways. Um, on Twitter, my, um, my handle is at isaacdust. Uh, you can email me Isaac dust at gmail.com or bob at headthegong.com and headthegong is the website you can always go there and comment um, yeah and just uh, you know if I ever get any comments I'll certainly respond to them on a future episode if they're, unless they're just you know people telling me I'm a douche or something I might respond to that too you know fuck you that would pretty much be my response but on that note uh, have a good one and I'll uh, check in with you soon